In this new segment of Advisor Revelations, the DPL team will discuss how to evaluate new solutions and address current challenges and the strategies that can help you grow your firm and AUM. Welcome to this episode of Advisor Revelations. I'm your host, Ross McGoodwin, and today we're going to be talking about the evolution of advisory fees in the annuity industry and within DPL. Today, I'm joined by Blake Phillips, who's a regional vice president here at DPL. And before we get started, just want to encourage our audience to subscribe to the podcast, Advisor Revelations, wherever you download your podcasts, and check out our social media pages and, of course, our website, dplfp.com. So let's dive into it. So today, I'm joined by Blake Phillips. Blake, thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So today, we're going to talk about advisory fees. And you know, I think it's a really interesting topic in that for some advisors, it maybe is really straightforward to be doing this for a while. For others, it may be a very new concept. And I think it's important that we go through the history of advisory fees, what's changed, how the carriers have adapted to this you know, changing world and demand for you know, fee-only solutions, and how DPL can actually help from a logistical standpoint. So Blake, just to kick things off, you've been you know, at DPL for years here, but let's go all the way back to even before 2018 and talk about the history of advisory fees. Sure. So just with our you know, experience in the industry, you know, how did advisory fees change during 2018 and how is that good for the industry? Yeah, thanks, Ross. So prior to 2018, some advisors may be saying, you know, we were taking advisory fees already. So that's not to say you couldn't prior to 2018. But in 2018, there was a private letter ruling with the IRS, which now allows advisory fees to be taken without any taxable event to the client, which is a really big deal, really impactful to your practice if you're really trying to integrate all of these assets into one place. Because prior to 2018, if you were to take an advisory fee, a client might have gotten a 1099. Mm-hmm. which as most advisors know is a pretty difficult conversation when you're talking about annuities in the financial plan as a bit of an outside asset already. So that was a really big step in the right direction in 2018, kind of bringing the advisory fee model more to light with billing on non-qualified assets as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with my background at, at Jefferson National, now nationwide, that was the conversation. You know, Hey, you want to pull your advisory fee? That's a possibility, but yeah, if it's non-qualified, which it typically was with that platform, mm-hmm. it was going to be taxable. So I think that change was monumental in not only helping advisors want a fee bill more, but helping carriers say, let's make this available because we're not causing this negative tax event to occur there. Mm-hmm. So then carriers started becoming a lot more open to the idea. There's a group of carriers that went to the IRS and advocated for this. And today, it's pretty widespread that just about every carrier that's serious about the RA industry has that private letter ruling for the non-taxable event. So once it became available and advisors realized that this is something that can happen, let's talk about the rationale for billing on these products. So for a lot of advisors, they're used to charging on, of course, the brokerage account, the entire financial plan. But maybe annuities and insurance was a new idea. What do you tell advisors when they're like, hey, why... Should I bill on this? And, and what do other people bill? Sure. Yeah, no, great question. That's something that comes up you know, almost every day when talking with RIAs and advisors. A lot of them feel due to how annuities have been sold in the past 
that they shouldn't be charging an advisory fee or if they are, that they shouldn't be charging as much as they are in other assets until they have a conversation with us and really fully understand that now with annuities being made to purchase, be purchased by the client and not sold to the client with the new economics of the commission-free and fee-only space in the annuity distribution world now, a lot of advisors are charging what they would on any other asset. Yep. For multiple reasons, really to avoid conflict of interest with the client. But let's just take a simple variable annuity we refer to as an IOVA. For example, here, a lot of advisors are actively managing those subaccounts just like they would any other asset for the client. Yep. Really justifying that advisory fee. And another aspect to this too is, you know, advisors may ask, you know, does this asset feel like an equity or feel like a bond? And mm-hmm. if that were to change how much an advisor may charge, then, you know, it's nice having a partner like DPL to help, you know, really get through all the specifics and complications and find what would be the right model for them. But the good news with, you know, advisory in this world is that it really is up to the advisor and the client to figure out what's right. And at the end of the day, the only limit typically is you can't charge more than one and a half percent for this to be a non-taxable event, which is rarely a, an issue, of yeah. course, in the fiduciary space, but uh, it's good to know what your options are there. And at the end of the day, it's also a very nice tax advantage, actually, if it's non-qualified to fee bill, because you're actually maybe lowering that uh, taxable gain for the client, which is a nice bonus. Yep, exactly. When we're looking at also the evolution of fee billing, you know, it's not just making the fee billing available on the accumulation products, but rider solutions, mm-hmm. lifetime income. For the longest time, you were not able to fee bill a product if it had lifetime income associated with it. And that made sense because mm-hmm. of the complications of decumulating and then also factoring in a management fee. So how has that conversation changed? not with carriers, but with advisors in the past you know, two to three years? Yeah, no, great question, Ross. That's something that comes up day to day in my conversations with RIAs and, and advisors in the fee-based and fee-only space. In the past, a lot of advisors had to set up an outside account or cash account to bill, which can be an operational nightmare in itself when they were looking at an annuity to produce income for the client. So let's just take an example. You're taking income now for your client out of an annuity. As long as there's a cash value, you'll be able to continue to take your advisory fee up to one and a half percent annually. I mean, in return, you're also managing that account for the client. So not just as a producing income, but a lot of modern solutions with the cash value, there's some form of accumulation factor in there as well that you as the advisor are actively looking at that, assessing that usually on an annual basis to make sure that still fits the client's um, goals and needs. Yeah, no, it's great to have this available on so many more product strategies and product types. It's not just variable. Mm-hmm. We're talking about fixed index now. We're talking about structured variable annuities. There's even some fixed annuities that allow for billing in some circumstances, although fixed annuities did not get the same private letter ruling. So yep. that will be a little more of a hit or miss situation. And more commonly, you may have to bill another account. But the great news for everybody is accumulation strategies and most income strategies today will allow for the billing to come maybe directly out of the account balance there. And something else for our our audience to also understand is that if you recently worked at a broker dealer or you've worked with maybe some other large groups, they may not allow you to fee bill from the product directly. What are the advantages of taking from the product directly in your eyes, Blake? Does it make it an easier conversation for the client? Is it a smoother experience? What do you typically hear? 
I typically hear that it is a lot smoother of an experience, sometimes even to the factor of an advisor and client don't do two past experiences when they were at the broker dealer, don't really want to look at solutions unless they can take the advisory fee directly from them. Yep. Because as I mentioned, the operational nightmare, my last uh, answer to your question, they may have to set up a side cash account or sell off some equities or, or fixed income to create that cash account just so the advisor can take their advisory fee. So mm-hmm. from an advisor's perspective, they're already having the conversation with the client to uh, purchase an annuity or purchase uh, one of our um, solutions on our platform. Um, and then they're having to go in and say, hey, we actually to collect our fee, we're going to have to set up another account. So it's a lot more beneficial in any type of asset class to, to be able to take that directly mm-hmm. from that asset you're managing operationally. Yeah, it's certainly easy. And then for those that you know, are more agnostic or are you know comfortable with pulling from other assets, keep in mind that we here at DPL, through our relationships, we do have direct integrations with a lot of mm-hmm. the leading platforms like Black Domino and Orion, which you know makes it easier to maybe fee bill from other assets or manage that that whole experience there. But before, you know, wrapping up a bit on the the value we hope to bring with this process, there might be some advisors that maybe still operate on a level trail perspective and they feel like maybe it's similar to a, an ongoing management fee. Talk a little bit about this change in approach for an advisor when they go to the advisory fee model and maybe that business valuation discussion as well. Sure. Yeah, no, happy to do so, Ross. So a lot of advisors we have conversations with, they're leaving the broker dealer. They're used to taking maybe a commission up front and then collecting a trail for a number of years for managing those assets. The main difference is obviously when you move it over, there's not going to be an upfront commission, but the economics are going to be a lot more favorable for the client. And then you're able to bill your advisory fee directly from that solution to actively manage those goals and sub-accounts or indexes, whatever product you're in there for that specific client to better meet their needs. And from a business valuation perspective, it's five to six times more revenue on the advisory fee side, because when you go to get your book valued, you have, let's just call it a 1% advisory fee that you're collecting annually. That's not going to end as long as you have a relationship with the client as to where some trails, depending on your commission schedule, you know, will fall off after the surrender charge or will diminish over time. So we're seeing a lot, a lot of advisors actually proactively look at fee-friendly solutions on the DPL platform or in the advisory space for the sole purpose of helping their clients as well as increasing their business valuation. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a really important aspect to this as well. And if anyone's you know, still maybe on the fence about looking at the advisory space, you know, this is really important to understand that uh, the business valuation discussion will change favorably once you start looking in this direction. And then in terms of the logistics, so just for everyone's sake here, we've covered how the advisor can dictate how much they charge, but it's not only that, they can also dictate where it's being sent, how it's being received, and how often, the frequency. Mm-hmm. Most carriers will allow you to dictate all of that. So there's a ton of control there that's possible, and this is important for a one-man shop or for maybe a large roll-up organization with 100 advisors to be able to have that customization. So we see that as a very important aspect to this side of the business is that it can be completely customizable to how a firm wants to receive that revenue. And lastly here, you know, how can DPL help? I think maybe some advisors are wondering who are listening, if I have six different carriers, six different strategies, that sounds like a lot to maintain and you know, be able to manage moving forward. 
how can DPL help on the back end to make sure that everything is a smooth experience? Yeah, so great question. And that's definitely a concern that comes up, you know, when we're onboarding firms and having perspective conversations with firms coming on from an administration perspective, kind of as you alluded to as well. For the one one man, one woman shops, you know, we have a similar process to working with large roll-ups with hundreds of firms across the country. We integrate with your individual processes, whether if that's going direct to the carrier and having that sent to you in your firm's bank account automatically, systematically is the most common, where if, if you have 10 contracts with a specific carrier, we can have that set up to go to your bank account, to your firm's bank account, monthly, quarterly, biannually, or annually to fit how your firm bills systematically. And then also, if you're with multiple carriers, DPL helps you actually keep track of all those logins and all of the processes that have to take place in order for you to get advisory fees, really making it a seamless one-step process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're here to help reconcile all the billing. And a lot of times, end of quarter, we know that, hey, let's work with our carrier partners to get you everything you need proactively mm -hmm. so that you can effectively reconcile billing, figure out who's getting paid what, and uh, manage your business accordingly. So we're here to help. It's not just the industry that's changed, but we also are here to help support all of these efforts so that advisors can have a very smooth experience and save time, ultimately, yeah. to focus on what they want to do on a day-to-day -day basis. So Blake, appreciate you joining today. I think we uh, certainly shed some great light on how this process has changed and how this can be a great opportunity for advisors if they're not exploring already to grow feeling revenue and have a more scalable business. Yep. So with that, appreciate everyone joining the podcast today. Of course, encourage you to subscribe wherever you download podcasts and follow us on Twitter, social media, and feel free, of course, to get registered at dplfp.com. Have a great one. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks for listening. To hear more advisor revelations, go to dplfp.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming app.